Hi everyone, my name is Colin Bolton and I'm a Certified Life and Executive Coach and the founder of Goal Achievement Coaching. Thank you for joining me today on my casual conversation channel where we talk about life, your career and how to live a happy life. In our time together today, I thought I would talk about the science of habits and what it takes to stick with something long term. I'd like to start our discussion today with a question. How many of you made a New Year's resolution this year? When the New Year rolls in, approximately 50% of people in North America typically make resolutions. Whether to improve our fitness or our mental health, to eat better or spend less time on social media, by and large, we're inspired by the fresh start January brings. Ready to be better, smarter, fitter, faster versions of ourselves. And yet, nearly half of us fail. Approximately 44% of people in the United States made resolutions in 2023. Of those, only 35% kept their resolution from 2023. On average, only 90% of people keep a resolution for more than two years. So why is this? Experts believe it's because most of us aren't practicing self-directed neuroplasticity, which people do primarily through active reflection. Self-directed neuroplasticity is when you, you intentionally rewire your brain to create positive habits. Yes, <laughs> the term is a mouthful, but it's also a powerful science-based method to break undesirable habits and create new healthy ones. The concept was first defined by researcher Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz and then popularized by Dr. Rick Hansen, a psychologist and senior fellow at the University of Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center. Let's now take a closer look at what habits are and how they are formed. Habits are routines or rituals that are unconscious or that have become almost automatic or second nature. A habit is a practice you repeat so regularly that it can be hard to change. For example, this could be biting your nails when you're worried picking up a bottle of wine whenever you pass the liquor store, or cracking open a bag of chips while watching TV at the end of the day. A habit might even be unconscious, like jiggling your leg while you're on a flight, or licking your lips when you're forced to do some public speaking. But where do habits come from? You see, your sensory nervous system is always monitoring for actions you can take that will deliver a hit of dopamine, the brain's reward chemical. We are wired to seek out pleasure. Any habit we develop is because our brain is designed to pick up on things that reward us and punish us. 
When your brain recognizes a pattern, such as a connection between action and satisfaction, it files that information away neatly into the area of the brain called the basal ganglia. This is also where we develop emotions and memories. But it's not where conscious decisions are made. That happens in the prefrontal cortex. This may be what makes habits so hard to break. They come from a brain region that's out of your conscious control. So you're barely aware you're doing them, if at all. In the early days of humankind, this was beneficial. The reward center of our brains was a survival tool that helped us to seek out the things we needed to survive, like comfort and calories, or avoiding discomfort. In a modern world, though, that constant search for feel-good experiences can drive us in some less-than-helpful directions. Just because something feels good in the moment doesn't mean it's good for our long-term happiness, health, longevity, social relationships, or mental wellness. And just because something is uncomfortable, that doesn't mean it's dangerous. Just like in our ancestors, our brains chase that dopamine high. So when a behavior comes along that results in a reward, the brain builds a connection between that behavior and pleasure that can be hard to shake. There are three components in habit formation, cues, actions, and rewards. This linking of cue, action, and reward is how a habit is born. Habits are actions that are triggered by cues, such as time of day, an activity, or a location. They culminate in a feel-good reward that through repetition fuses the connection between cue and reward firmly in the brain. Psychologists at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology made a landmark discovery in 1999 of a cue-routine-reward feedback loop that journalist Charles Duhigg later coined the habit loop in his book The Power of Habit. Here's how the habit loop works. We'll start by looking at cues. You experience a stimulus or a trigger. It could be being in a certain location, smelling a certain smell, seeing a certain person, or feeling a particular emotional state among many other possibilities. Cravings are then created, which are the stimulus that causes you to desire a particular outcome that you find rewarding. These cravings motivate you to act. Responses are behaviors, thoughts or actions you engage in to get that outcome so that you can meet that desire that your brain has. The outcomes that occur as a result of feelings you feel once you satisfy your craving are what your brain regards as rewards. 
The pleasure or relief you experience from these rewards reinforces the cue, making the cue even better at triggering the craving next time. And that is why it's an endless loop. Here's an example of how the habit loop can lead to undesirable habits. You might hit a wall with a creative work or school project and crave a break from the hard mental work. You step outside for a vape, both relieving yourself from an uncomfortable situation and giving yourself a nicotine boost. Over time, feeling stuck at work will start to trigger you to reach for your vape. Or that relief might come from something less obviously addictive, such as scrolling social media. Sound familiar? The habit loop often happens subconsciously and can perpetuate not-so-good-for-us behavior. The good news, though, is that we can use these principles of cue and reward to intentionally cultivate habits with outcomes we want. Here's an example of the habit loop leading to beneficial results. You hit a wall with a project and crave a break from the hard mental work. You step outside for a walk, relieving yourself from an uncomfortable situation and getting some exercise. Or maybe you start using audio for breaks, putting on a podcast, my podcast of course, reading a book, or listening to music. Over time, feeling stuck at work will start to trigger you to go for walks or to close your eyes and listen to something relaxing. One smart option is to connect good habits like exercising more with a more immediate reward. For instance, listening to new episodes of your favorite podcast only when you go for walks. Another option is to tap into the magic of mindfulness, the power of why. At the core of rewiring habits is reflection. It's a pillar of cognitive behavioral therapy, which basically works like this. Try new things, and pay attention to how they make you feel. That second part, how they make you feel, is absolutely key. It's the best hack for changing preset behaviors. Try practicing this at home. Reflect on how unhealthy behaviors make you feel bad. And then, on how healthy behaviors make you feel good. Then write these feelings down. Then, talk to someone about them. A month down the road, reread what you've written. When you see the data that you've done what you've said you would do, you develop a belief in yourself. You can use your mind to change your physical brain and hardwire that belief in. Importantly, 
For actions that have more long-term benefits, it's important to take time out to celebrate the short-term benefits. Yes, over time, eating nutrient-rich food will probably increase your energy and focus and maybe create a stronger physique. But the brain has a tough time sticking with something if it doesn't see immediate results too. That's why journaling soon after an activity is important. To fuse feelings with action. I am proud I made that choice. Or I was more energetic after lunch. Are positive feelings that you might have after picking a kale salad over a cheeseburger. It's vital to take a moment to acknowledge those so your brain can learn to crave that connection next time that lunch rolls around. Regularly going back and reading the past few weeks and months of your journal or notes to truly see the data in action helps convince your brain through your own words and own writing that yes indeed, this is really powerful and works. Of course, journaling isn't a magic cure-all for breaking an unhelpful habit or motivating yourself to adopt a new routine. Here are a few more science-based techniques that can help make your habit hacking more likely to succeed. Say your goal out loud. Positive affirmations may sound obvious, but saying your goals out loud to yourself does actually make you more likely to do them. And it may help increase your sense of self-worth too according to research, which suggests that when people have undergone brain scans while saying positive affirmations, the brain lights up like a Christmas tree, indicating that our brain truly wants to believe everything you're saying. Another technique is to swap a new habit for an old one. Instead of going cold turkey, it's far more effective to start replacing or adjusting small parts of the habituated action. If you always sit down with your glass of scotch at 6pm, for instance, keep the time and the glassware, but swap out the booze for soda. This will make it much easier to decouple the alcohol from the habit, and then you can work on replacing the habituated action with something different. The next technique to change a habit is to aim small to start. There's nothing wrong with a big audacious goal, of course. But there needs to be smaller, bite-sized achievements along the way. Accomplishing even a tiny goal can offer enough of a dopamine kick to reinforce behavior and boost you to the next step. You don't have to commit to going for a certain amount of time. It's just about getting over that initial hump. You can start building on it later. Once you have your bite-sized habit ingrained, for instance, let's say committing to meditating or starting with the goal of one minute a day, it's easy to expand or contract as you need to. Adding on to an existing routine or habit stacking, as it is sometimes referred to, can also help change your habits. This takes the mini-habit idea one step further. Take a habit you already practice 
and add on one little positive thing to your routine, like doing calf raises while brushing your teeth. If you take a snack break at 11 a.m. every day, why not walk around the block at the same time? Yet another habit-changing technique is to banish the all-or-nothing mentality. Remember, anything is better than nothing. Would working out in the gym for an hour every day, five days a week, be ideal? Maybe. But making that your only definition of success only makes getting active that much more intimidating. You could find 15 minutes in your day, that's 1% of your day, to develop the habit of moving for 15 minutes a day. Doing this makes it far easier to go a little longer over time. It's important to create a habit-changing plan that plays to your strengths. Build new habits around the format that works best for you. If you want to take up meditating, for instance, and the audio apps aren't working for you, seek out a program with visual guidance instead. If your goal is to read a book a week, but you're having trouble still getting uh, focused on your novel, download the audiobook and read while you stroll your neighborhood. Metacognition is thinking about the way we think, including how we use language. If the way you talk about the exercise that you want to do is, I hate it, it's hard, it hurts, then you're probably not going to crave that experience. Changing your language and reframing it as something positive that makes you feel powerful and happy, even if it's challenging, is going to help compel you to get moving. Even if you don't believe it at first, faking it till you make it may wire neutrons together so to eventually create the genuine, genuine reaction you so desire. Smiling even when you don't mean it can actually make you happy, at least to a small degree, according to research done in 2017. Visualizing success is also worth considering when trying to break bad habits too. As any sports psychologist will tell you, Visualization is an incredible tool for reaching your goals. Even if your goal is to run one mile without stopping, rather than winning the Boston Marathon, that can have an impact. Studies show that whether you're thinking about running or actually running, similar neurons are firing in your brain, and creating those feel-good pathways with visualization can help motivate you to get up and actually lace up your shoes. A 2018 review of research found that environmental pressures can be more powerful than simply willing yourself to achieve a goal. In other words, setting up the right cues in your environment can help you change your environment enough to change your habits. So if you want to create a new habit like be more mindful, instead of trying to achieve it with sheer willpower, Create a tangible cue to link it to. For instance, you could leave a pen and gratitude journal on your bedside table. Then, every night before you go to bed, you'll see it 
pick it up and write down what you're grateful for. The point is this. You may be more likely to maintain this habit when you're prompted by seeing the journal compared with just having the goal in mind. This can help you make diet changes too. That's why many nutritionists recommend strategically stocking your kitchen so that healthy snacks are readily available on the counter or in the cupboards, while less nutritious foods are in a less visible place. In doing this, you're actively changing your environment, making it much easier to avoid cues for habits you want to break, like seeing the cookie jar, and incorporating cues in your environment for the habits you want to make, like grabbing an apple. Whether you're trying to build a new positive habit or shake an old habit you don't like, patience is vital. Yes, there are people out there who can just go cold turkey with a negative habit, but the reality is that they are very, very rare. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention reports that most people who smoke try to quit smoking 8 to 11 times before they break the habit for good. Be kind to yourself as you try to break a pattern. Falling back into a habit doesn't mean you've failed. Instead of thinking of yourself as a failure, reframe setbacks as, I didn't succeed that time, but I can still try again. Consistency will come with practice, and so will success. You can also try this five-part framework for creating positive habits and setting goals that you can actually stick to. Discover. Make sure you understand why your goal matters to you. Diagnose. Identifying friction points or roadblocks and removing them is important. Create boundaries that will help keep you on track. Prescribe. Figure out your ideal game plan and personalize it to your interests and skills. If you want to move more but hate to run, then dance or swim instead. Practice. As they say, done is better than perfect. Don't get stuck in an all-or-nothing mindset for creating new habits. You're not a failure if you aren't going to the gym for an hour each day. Instead, take baby steps. Be flexible and forgiving with yourself. Remember, it's not about being perfect. It's about doing it. Lastly, pause. Reflecting on your efforts and results builds new links in the brain. Well, folks, that wraps up our podcast today. I hope you have found this podcast to be insightful as you work on building good habits for yourself and breaking the not-so-good ones we all have. If you liked our discussion today, I invite you to visit my website, goalachievementcoaching.com, where you'll find a number of useful resources to help you as you navigate life.
and the challenges that come with it. Thank you so much for listening.